the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Articles of impeachment. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. House Republicans have taken the first step toward doing something Congress hasn't done in more than 150 years. Impeach a sitting cabinet secretary. The GOP vows to hold Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to account for the crisis at the southern border. They plan to finalize articles of impeachment as soon as today. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries calls it a political stunt. This is a ridiculous effort. President Biden has been working hard to negotiate a bipartisan agreement in the Senate to try to fix our broken immigration system. But Republicans argue Mayorkas has willfully and systemically refused to comply with federal immigration law. The sole job of that secretary is to keep us safe from tariffs. We have over 300 people who match the terror watch list who have entered this country. He has done everything but securing our country. Illegal border crossings topped 300,000 last month, the highest of any month on record. And for the record, only once in U.S. history has a cabinet secretary been impeached, his name William Belknap, President Grant's Secretary of War in 1876. Debate continues in Congress on a bipartisan border bill. President Biden says he'd shut down the border today if it passes, but Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he doesn't need permission from Congress to do that. This border deal is a farce. Joe Biden already has the authority to shut the border down. He could declare it a national emergency. He could stop the invasion cold if he wanted to. He does not want to. DeSantis thinks the Senate border deal would permit up to 5,000 illegal immigrants a day entry into this country. They're codifying into law is saying that's an appropriate number of illegal entries. I think the appropriate number of illegal entries is zero. Speaker Mike Johnson says the border bill is dead on arrival in the House. We're still awaiting U.S. retaliation for the Iran-backed droning deaths of three American soldiers, all from the same unit in Georgia. They were killed in their sleep when the drone hit their barracks Sunday in Jordan. CBS's Nora O'Donnell. American forces have been the target of 165 attacks since October 17th, and the U.S. has launched seven retaliatory strikes against Iranian-backed militias. But congressional Republicans call those pinpricks. Correspondent Keir Simmons on the Iraq-Iran border today, where preparations are underway for a U.S. airstrike. Local media here say Iranian-backed militia along the Iraq-Syria border are evacuating installations in anticipation of a possible U.S. strike. The White House says it does not want war with Iran, but a response is coming. Pentagon reporter David Martin on what that response might look like. To go after these Iranian facilities inside Iraq, inside Syria, and Yemen as well. As one official put it, there is no shortage of targets. Former Army Special Forces member Jim Hansen says the American response must be substantial. We need to actually look at this and say, what would the Middle East look like if Iran was not allowed to run their terror 
proxies with no consequences. We need to do something. I, I think it's about time that one of those expensive Iranian Navy ships becomes a little bit of an oil slick somewhere in the Middle East waters. The deadly assault on the U.S. outpost in Jordan marks the first time American service members have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. Families of Americans held hostage by Hamas in Gaza are at the White House today. Reporter Matt Bradley says a deal may be in the works to win their release. Today, a deal to free the remaining hostages in Gaza coming into focus. Representatives from Israel, Egypt, the U.S., and Qatar reached a unified position yesterday to free more than 100 hostages, six of them Americans. A draft has been given to Hamas. The deal would impose a 60-day temporary truce in the Gaza Strip, while Hamas would release one Israeli hostage in exchange for every three Palestinian prisoners. The potential hostage deal comes as controversy deepens surrounding the main UN relief agency in Gaza. A dozen employees of that agency actively took part in the kidnappings of hostages last fall. New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer is sponsoring a bill to save AM radio. He calls it a matter of national security in case of a natural or man-made disaster. People, no matter what, their power goes out, the phone goes out, right, the satellite radio's out, they can always tune in to AM radio to get emergency information. But they may not be able to much longer. A number of electric car companies are building vehicles without AM radio, arguing it interferes with their technology. I have an electric car with AM radio and it works just fine. You know, Elon Musk can afford to buy Twitter and send a rocket to space. I think he can afford to keep AM radio and Teslas. Gottheimer's AM radio for for all Vehicles Act is being co-sponsored by more than 200 House members and over 40 members of the U.S. Senate. Still to come on the Noon Report for a Tuesday, taxpayer-funded abortions, Pennsylvania and the race for president, and no phone zones at school. A good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams. Another pretty lackluster day underway weather-wise. We'll be looking for any changes down the road in the forecast coming up in 10 minutes. All right, Kevin, we'll see you then. In the meantime, let's check the stories making news where you live. All across New York and Pennsylvania, flames destroyed a popular farm in western New York this morning. Jay Bray Miller is owner of Stillwater Farms in Boston. About 3.20, I heard a sound. I woke up, thought it might be the dogs, and then I heard another sound a little bit louder, and I realized there was probably something going on. Stood up, looked out the window, and saw the barn engulfed in Flames. Bray Miller says his prized pigs, goats, and horses were stuck inside as the flames broke out. As soon as we opened the, the cell doors, a lot of the animals did come out. The horse was very reluctant, and again, we could not see them. We, we only knew they were there by putting our hands out. Officials say an electrical issue is what caused that massive pre-dawn barn fire. Stillwater Farms is famous for hosting dinner events that raise money for childhood cancer research. Pennsylvania Congressman Glenn Thompson says, like it or not, America is at war with Iran after the deaths of those three American soldiers in a drone strike on Sunday. Oh, we are. So we're 160 attacks. We are at war. And it's, it's time that our leadership recognizes this. Iran has provided its funding, its support, its training, and has escalated this, and they're targeting America. On a separate matter, the Republican representative says he supports 
supports the impeachment effort of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. I think it's long overdue. He is the architect of this disaster, this crisis at the border. It has resulted in an invasion. Thompson says Mayorkas has ignored federal immigration law. If they would administer what is on the books, this crisis would be over. It would be at least slowed dramatically. The border would be once again under the control of the United States versus our border being under the control of the cartels, which is where we're at today. The House could vote two articles of impeachment out of the Homeland Security Committee as soon as today. Taxpayer-funded abortions may soon be the law of the land in Pennsylvania. In a 3-2 decision yesterday, the state Supreme Court said a lower court must rule on the constitutionality of a 1985 law that limits the use of Medicaid dollars to cover the cost of abortions. Planned Parenthood brought that suit, saying the decades-old law discriminates against the poor. Pro-life activist Maria Gallagher. The abortion industry has been losing in many cases in Pennsylvania and across the country, and so they need money from the taxpayers. They need a taxpayer bailout to fund their gruesome business, and that's what is happening here. Gallagher says there is no right to abortion in the Pennsylvania Constitution. A Pennsylvania pollster says Donald Trump has some work to do if he's going to beat President Biden in the Keystone State in November. The latest survey from Susquehanna Polling and Research shows Trump trailing Biden by eight points. He's got to find a way to appeal to these middle-of-the-world purple voters. One of the most fascinating statistics that I saw in New Hampshire was that 66% of undeclared voters said if Trump's a nominee, they won't vote for him. Those undeclared voters are very similar to swing voters in Pennsylvania. That's the formula for growing Trump's base, and he hasn't been able to do that in this survey. He can't win Pennsylvania if he doesn't appeal to swing voters. Pollster James Lee says a third of Pennsylvania voters are swing voters. Voters that are registered with a major political party but tend to split their ticket in big elections. Political junkies invited to log on to MyTwinTears.com this Thursday night from 7 to 9 for an in-depth conversation on the issue surrounding the 2024 presidential election. Moderating that debate will be local political analyst Dr. Steve Coleman. I spoke with him earlier today. Well, we'll be talking about the Middle East, Ukraine, inflation, crime, the border. We also will be talking a lot about Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and Nikki Haley. So a robust discussion concerning the issues and personalities in the 2024 presidential race. And it should be a, a, an exciting discussion exclusively on MyTwinTears.com, as you mentioned, from 7 to 9 this Thursday night. Yeah, you've done a few of these. What are you up to numerically? This is the uh, 34th uh, political uh, pundit night. When I retired from higher education a number of years ago, I said to myself, what can I do to contribute to the level of discourse in the Twin Tiers? And I said to myself, well, how about heading forums with experts and leaders talking about uh, the issues yeah. um, and a high level of political discourse? And this political pundit night has been you know, highly successful, and I'm, I'm very pleased and very proud of what's happened. Yeah. 
What I love most about these, Steve, is that you don't get that 100 miles an hour hair on fire, people talking past each other, shouting at each other that you get on the cable TV talk shows. Uh, you can't even understand what people are saying because they're always shouting at each other. This is a thoughtful discussion. Of course, you've got different viewpoints, which is wonderful, but everyone has a chance to speak and you can actually understand what everybody is saying. That's what I think is the, the greatest credit to what you've done, Steve, is you've brought civility back to politics. Explain why that's so important. Well, I think when you have civility and people respect each other and listen to each other, people can learn from each other. Um, and I think the public can be enlightened. Uh, it's really um, cyber casting with something to say. We talk about the hot button issues in a cool way. Local political analyst, Dr. Steve Coleman. Cornell University's Board of Trustees is standing behind embattled President Martha Pollack amid donor-led demands that she be replaced. The board voted over the weekend to unanimously support Pollack as president. A donor and former trustee recently wrote a letter to Cornell asking for the president to resign, arguing she has stifled free speech. Other alumni are upset over for diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts at that Ivy League school, as well as recent acts of anti-Semitism on campus there in Ithaca, New York. It's a big debate at school these days. Do smartphones belong in the classroom? Big question mark. Grand Island, New York Superintendent Brian Graham has instituted a no-phone zone at school in his district. These devices are so addictive. Children are not supposed to have their smart devices out in classrooms. They can only use them when they're transitioning from class to class or in the cafeteria during lunchtime, and otherwise it's shut down. Niagara Falls Superintendent Mark Laurie admits smartphones are a huge distraction at school. The mental health issues, the distraction issues, the instant gratification issues, the fact that we've had, uh, we have had fights, and the first thing that kids will do is take their cell phone out and start videotaping. Laurie's district does not permit cell phones at school in K through 8th grade, but high schoolers can still have them. Recent studies have shown a link between social media use and mental health issues in kids. Northern Tier Representative Clint Owlett is sponsoring a bill to beef up security at state prisons. His legislation would allow non-residents of the Commonwealth to serve as corrections officers. Currently, the Department of Corrections is banned from hiring prison guards who reside in other states. This despite the fact that several Pennsylvania prisons are located in close proximity to other states. Your two-minute drill is next in sports as the Noon Report continues on Family Life. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Knicks are hot. New York won their seventh straight game on a blowout in Charlotte against the Hornets last night. 113-92. Jalen Brunson had 32 points. Dante DiVincenzo chipped in with 28. Knicks now 30-17 on the season and just one game behind the 76ers for second place. The Sixers dropped their third in a row, getting clobbered by Portland. 130 to 104. Philadelphia played without their top two scorers as Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey both missed the game due to injuries. In another lopsided contest,
Plus, the Nets won their second straight game, 147-114 over the Jazz. Mikel Bridges led the way with 33 points. Cam Thomas scored 25. Just one game on the docket in the NHL saw the Senators edge the Predators in overtime 4-3. Let's talk football. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to be without one of their best pass rushers for the Super Bowl. Charles Amenehu tore his ACL during the team's AFC championship victory over the Ravens on Sunday. Now let's shift to baseball. Former Yankee Aaron Hicks has signed a one-year contract with the Los Angeles Angels. The Angels are getting Hicks for the league minimum salary because the Yankees have to pay him almost $10 million, both for this season and next season. And the Twins have traded George Polanco to Seattle, the all-star infielder, the longest-tenured Twins player. In return, Minnesota getting two pitchers and two prospects. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Mann. And still to come on the Noon Report, calendar controversy in Connecticut. Women of Hope in Pennsylvania and tiptoeing around Tehran. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In the wake of Dobbs, pro-abortion activists are lobbying states to expand access to chemical abortion. As of 2020, chemical abortions made up nearly 54% of all abortions in the United States. Often referred to as the abortion pill, the chemical abortion process is actually two pills. The first intended to end the life of the preborn child. The second intended to expel it. Doctors George Delgado and Matthew Harrison developed what's now known as abortion pill reversal. This is for mothers who, after taking the first pill in the chemical abortion regimen, change their minds. Pro-abortion groups now claim, often, that APR is ineffective and even unsafe. And that claim is often repeated across media outlets. The latest video in the What Would You Say series responds to this untrue claim. In the video, Dr. Christina Francis, a board-certified OBGYN, outlines four things that every person who hopes to see abortion become truly unthinkable needs to know about abortion pill reversal. The first is the chemical abortion process and how APR works. Here's Dr. Francis. Chemical abortion involves two pills, mifepristone and mesoprostol. Mifepristone blocks the hormone progesterone that ensures the flow of essential nutrients to the baby. Without it, the baby will starve and die. One to two days after taking mifepristone, the mom then takes mesoprostol, which brings on contractions to expel the dead baby from the womb. The chemical abortion process can be reversed before mesoprostol is taken, thanks to a commonly understood chemical process called reversible competitive inhibition. Mifepristone is an inhibitor. It blocks progesterone from being able to do its job. If the mom is given natural progesterone within 72 hours of taking mifepristone, the resulting increase in progesterone can overcome or outcompete the blockade, restoring to the preborn baby the vital nutrients he or she needs. In fact, according to a 2018 study by Dr. Delgado, mothers who take progesterone after taking mifepristone more than double their baby's chance of survival. The second thing you need to know, APR is safe because natural progesterone has already been used safely in early pregnancies for decades now. Again, here's Dr. Francis. According to the Charlotte Lozier Institute, progesterone has been used to support healthy pregnancies since the 1950s. Natural progesterone is also commonly used for early pregnancy support in women with a history of recurrent pregnancy loss. That means healthier moms and babies. And finally, the abortion pill reversal has already saved more than 4,500 
lives. Even doctors who are pro-choice should support providing information about abortion pill reversal to women who regret their choice to abort their baby. The 4,000 plus women who have used abortion pill reversal are proof that that regret is real, but it doesn't have to be the last word if they can access this life-saving treatment in time. Now, despite all of this, states like Colorado are actually trying to ban APR and prevent medical professionals from prescribing it. Every pro-life person needs to be ready to answer the question that's covered in this What Would You Say video with Dr. Christina Francis. What is abortion pill reversal and is it safe? To see the whole video, go to whatwouldyousay.org. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you. Outside we go next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. Through the afternoon, generally cloudy. High temps, 30s to low 40s. Clouds break a bit tonight, low temps near 30. Clouds and a little sun poking through tomorrow, high temps near 40. And Thursday, cloudy with a couple of rain and snow showers and high temperatures near 40. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's happening Tuesday, January 30th. Articles of impeachment are being drafted in the U.S. House today against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. It's because of his alleged failures to secure our southern border. Tennessee Congressman Mark Green chairs the House Homeland Security Committee. The law that formed the Department of Homeland Security charged the secretary with maintaining border security. He's failed to do that. In fact, he's intentionally subverted those laws with mass catch and release. So it's it's like he's done just the opposite. Meantime, a deal that would reportedly increase border security while providing more money for the wars in Israel and Ukraine could be unveiled this week on Capitol Hill. Republican Senator James Lankford says that bipartisan bill would change the way things are done at the southern border. When they're overwhelmed, and they can't process the people, they just release them into the country and say, we'll process you later. So their default is release. This switches that where the default is deport. Critics say that legislation, if passed, would allow 5,000 illegal immigrants a day entry into this country. New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. This is not just a Texas problem. This is a national crisis. Every single community has turned into a border community because of the open border policies of Joe Biden. Illegal border crossings topped 300,000 last month, the highest of any month on record. Those three U.S. soldiers killed in a drone strike at a U.S. outpost in Jordan this week all belong to the same army unit in Georgia. They died in their sleep when an Iran-backed terror group hit their barracks in the middle of the night. Florida Congressman Mike Waltz says the U.S. response must be strong. The reason we have small numbers of special operators, drone operators, and others in the Middle East is they're still going after ISIS and keeping a boot on their neck so they don't hit us here. But, you know, right now they're sitting ducks uh, for Iran and their militias. The Biden administration says it does not want war with Iran, but military analyst Brett Valkovich says war is what we've got, like it or not. Iran is at war with us, and they've been aggressively activating their proxy groups globally to target Americans, and we don't seem to have any real cohesive campaign strategy to stop them other than to just say, hey, please don't do it, and that's not working. Now to war-torn Gaza, where the headline is a hostage release deal, possibly. There's also more on that UN relief agency that had a dozen workers who were actively working for Hamas when it attacked Israel. Israel
Israel accuses 12 UNRWA employees of being involved in the October 7 Hamas attack. Deeply, deeply troubling. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has stressed the accusations are highly credible and it is essential that the UN resolves this quickly. That the US and 14 other countries as well as the European Union have suspended aid to the relief agency. It's a death sentence, says Ahmed al-Nahal, as calls for a ceasefire grow louder. We want them to release the hostages, Samira Hassan told us, and stop this war. Correspondent Deborah Pada. A calendar controversy is brewing in Stamford, Connecticut. The school board has voted to remove Veterans Day and Columbus Day as school holidays. That means students would have to go to school those days. Alfred Fusco is an attendant. Italian-American veteran from Stamford. It was just a gut punch. It was terrible. I had no inclination. A lot of bad things happened in this country after the discovery. Let's not whitewash it, and I'm not going to whitewash it, okay? What happened on October 12th, 1492, the discovery of America, is the most significant thing that happened in the history of the human race. The Stanford School Board says it voted to get rid of Columbus Day and Veterans Day to give students a longer summer break. Elon Musk says his company, Neuralink, has implanted a brain chip for the very first time in a human. The goal is to one day make it possible for quadriplegics to control computers and phones with their mind. If you can think it, you can do it. CNET's Ian Shore is not so sure it'll work. There are a lot of questions, in particular about safety, health, and how honest Elon Musk is being about how successfully this test is going. Neuralink got FDA clearance for its first human clinical trials last May. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Hometown Heroes on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster, and this week's guest is Tara Freeman with Women of Hope, a Pennsylvania-based ministry working to meet the needs of women in the Keystone State. Women of Hope developed from, as I say, a mustard seed idea. Starts with the realm of women of faith, all those conferences, and fell in love with the concept and realized there's nothing local. The local people and, of course, women of faith kind of, you know, uh, retired a little bit and just kept feeling this, like, paying a do something for women, do something for women. There's not enough around here for women. And a friend of mine looked at me one day and goes, well, why not? Let's do it. So we got together. We started figuring out how to do this. And pieces just fell in place. We found a location. We got sponsorships. So we put together some speakers, some amazing speakers. I can't tell you enough about amazing speakers. And we had a conference where women came in. We uplifted them, um, refueled them with hope, had a nice luncheon and had uh, some prizes and just kind of praised God and all connected uh, on, the, on the same level. And it was amazing first conference and it was so great that we decided to do it a second time and just was spurred even more by the amazing testimonies the amazing day that it was and so we just had our third conference in november and we're actually going to have two events this year one in like cumming county pa and one again in bradford county pa it's helping people it's spreading hope and that hope is that's found in the love of jesus so kind of where we started and how we got to where we are what's the main goal the main goal we have to accomplish is to 
and spread the hope found in the love of Jesus. Too often, women especially are, are kind of beat by the Bible uh, and uh, are burned by the church. And I want them to feel that there's hope and that Jesus is there to love them and that they, no matter where they are, Jesus is there for them. And so um, hope is a big thing. Hope is what got me personally through some stuff. So I want to spread that to other women and, and share that that with them. What are some of the needs you've encountered among women in, in your area of PA? Some of the needs we've encountered with women is, is they, just a feeling of, of belonging and knowing they're not alone. So many times we hide away what we feel, what's happening to us, the traumas we've experienced. We just need to push forward. We just need to push forward. And we forget those things and it ultimately hurts us. And when we are in a group where we feel comfortable, where we feel safe, where we feel accepted, you're able to heal and you're able to heal with the power that only Jesus can give us. There's so much trauma in so many lives and it's it, it hurts and it leads to other things. So it's great to be able to start the process for people to feel healing. What's the root of that trauma that you've encountered them experiencing? Is it, is it abuse? What gamut does it run? For the women I see, there's a lot of abuse out there. There's a lot of women who have been sexually assaulted. There's a lot of women who have experienced abusive relationships. There's a lot of women who have experienced trauma in childhood. There's a lot of childhood trauma that's not been dealt with because we've been taught for so long just to push away. Those sorts of things. I'm guessing that all the women who come to you might not be coming from a Christian background. There's probably got to be some hurdles that you've got to help overcome as, as you try to bring faith into it. Exactly. Um, we purposely don't have our events at churches. Sometimes that scares people away because it's the old church. And so we find venues that are, are comfortable, have a really good atmosphere. And we want women to feel like we accept them just as they are, no matter how they come to us. Because everybody's got to start somewhere and we don't want them to feel afraid of the word religion or faith or any of that. We want them to feel comfortable. You touched on before a couple of events coming up. How do those work? What's the focus of that? Our focus is to have a day filled with joy, with hope, with inspiration, with being able to connect with others. When you leave feeling like you're refreshed and you have that hope that maybe you didn't walk in there with or knowing that you're not alone, that there are other women and having just the connections, just some of the powerful connections I see, especially this last year, just blew me away with how much people were able to connect and go you too and they were able to talk and they, they formed friendships and that's really how I formed one of my best friends was at a small conference we just kind of got tossed together and, and she's my best friend now and I wouldn't know what to do without her so it, there's power in, in, in women getting together it's been the most ex amazing experience I've ever ventured out on and it's way beyond my comfort zone and God is definitely leading the direction and has put amazing people in our path and along this journey and I can't thank everybody who's ever been a part of it enough to reach the women the way we have and spread that hope that's found in the love of Jesus. That's Tara Freeman with Women of Hope, a Pennsylvania-based ministry working to meet the needs of women in the Keystone State. Please join us again next time as we search for your home, your town, your hero. It's Hometown Heroes on Family Life. Thank you, Mark. Hometown Heroes comes your way every Tuesday during the noon report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. We certainly have been mired in a pretty lackluster, drab weather pattern, and that hasn't changed much today. There is the hope, though, of enough dry air moving in to allow for a decent amount of sun to poke through the clouds tomorrow. Our next weather maker is weak, and meek brings us a touch of rain and snow on Thursday. No big ticket winter items are in sight for now. Through the afternoon, generally cloudy. High temps, 30s to low 40s. 
clouds break a bit tonight, low temps near 30. Clouds and a little sun poking through tomorrow, high temps near 40. And Thursday, cloudy with a couple of rain and snow showers and high temperatures near 40. All right, Kevin, all quiet on the weather front. Thank you very much. And finally, at noon, he wasn't fishing, but one Arizona man found something on the river's bottom that was still quite a catch. Jeremy Bingham of Mesa, Arizona, was kayaking and diving with his family when he found something that looked like it didn't quite belong in the water. It was a tattered wallet about 15 feet below the surface of the water on the river floor. The wallet contained multiple credit cards and a driver's license belonging to a woman named Julia Shia. After months of searching, Bingham was able to connect with Shia on social media. The wallet was lost way back in 1995 when her cousin misjudged the depth of the water and tried to drive his truck across the river. Inside the wallet was a time capsule including her license and Sears and JCPenney credit cards. The wallet is now on its way back to Shia in the mail and when asked if she was excited to get it back, she said... I'm dying to see what I look like in that license picture. <laughs> Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, great story. Thank you, Brian. That's the world we live in Tuesday, January 30th. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.